take the land. That's where we've been and that's where we're going to continue to go today. But before we jump into that, I just want to have a moment with you guys from Canacuck for just a second. Um, just it's a story I want to tell you real quick that happened to me this summer. Um, if you rewind the clock, which is crazy to do that, but 30 years ago this summer, uh, I served at a camp staff at Sky Ranch um, out in Van, Texas. And uh, they, they hired me to be a counselor out there and to love on kids and do all that. And that was 30, 30 years ago. Um, I met with some people from Sky Ranch that, that are a sponsor for one of the conferences that we put on here, Central Texas Youth Leaders Conference, and, uh, and talked to the lady there, Candace, and, and I told her, I said, yes, we're gonna, God called me into ministry, was that summer that I was loving on students and hanging out with them and doing that. And, uh, and she said, really, that's, that's awesome. Tell me your story. I told her the story. How old are your kids? And I said, well, I got a 13-year-old and 11-year-old. My daughter will be at Canacut for you all this week. But uh, um, she goes, we want to send them to camp for free this year. I'm like, free, I can afford that. And, um, and so, so it was good. And so we, we drove them up there. My wife and I drove our kids up to Sky Ranch last month. Drove onto that property for the first time that I've been back in 30 years. And uh, it changed a whole lot. Um, there was like 18 cabins when I was there, and I was like 40 or something. But um, anyway, it was, it was a neat moment. And as I'm dropping my kids off and I'm meeting the counselors and I'm shaking their hands, the thought hit me with a really big perspective thing and said this. God, God asked me that question. Did you pour into the students that you had that summer the way you expect those kids to pour into your own kids this summer? And I thought, man, uh, I was just trying to make it through the summer. I was just glad to get a job. I, I was getting paid to eat their food. Like, this was, this was good for me. Um, but I also know my parents were going through a divorce that summer. And, and as I'm working through that and getting through that, I know that I wanted those kids to know that they were loved by God and by someone else. And I think that's important. Uh, because it was such a struggle at my home. And, uh, and so I hope that I did. But I want to challenge you this week. Love these kids like you expect someone to love your kids 30 years from now. Pour into them with everything you got. That's my daughter's one of them. That's pretty special. And so thank you for who you are and for being here. Uh, I'll challenge you a little bit more later because you're a target. And so we can do that. And we'll, we'll jump in there. That's just an extra story that I just wanted to share my heart with you guys and say thank you for that. And and, and God allows those full circle moments to happen from time to time in our lives. Don't miss them. That's all I can say on that um, for you there. Well, um, to start off, I just want to talk about a question. I want, to, I want to challenge you guys with a question. This question was asked of me uh, last month. Um, I celebrated 24 years of being the youth and family pastor here at the church. And so, I know, and I'm only 35 years old. So, uh, but but that that was a cool thing. When I got hired here... I uh, graduated and, and from Sam Houston State University, Emup Cats, and, uh, and so went there, more cowbell. And uh, so I went, went there and, and interviewed with Mark and the team, and Mark asked me this question, and I'm going to put this question on you today. He said this, Alan, are you willing to do the work to plant the seeds to grow the tree for shade you'll never enjoy? And I, in my youthfulness, I'm like, well, sure, yeah, absolutely, I, just, I want a job. And, uh, and so I'll say yes to anything. But that question has stuck with me for all these years. Are you willing to do the work to plant the seeds to grow the tree for shade that you may not enjoy? Because that doesn't sound very fun. Like, I want the fruit of my labor. Like, I want the reward for that. But there's no guarantee of that in that question. But there's a whole lot of work that goes into it. Are you willing to do the work to plant the seeds to grow the tree for shade you may never enjoy? And we can get a perspective of that in the Bible today, and that's what we're going to do, because this series that we've been in called Take the Land, we're looking through the book of Joshua. And for the last 
nine times we've been in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And all these events have happened. We've seen literally Joshua take command as Moses has died. Joshua comes along and God says, you're the man now. You're going to take over. And he begins to be the commander of the armies. He's setting the vision for the, the nation. And as they move in to the promised land, there are people there they have to get rid of. And so we, we look at them invading and going to Jericho and marching around in a very untraditional way and to see the walls fall down and victory come. We've also seen them get their tails kicked at Ai because they did not inquire of the Lord. And they said, ah, I would have sent 3,000 and go, and they got killed, and 36 guys died. Then they had to go back and set an ambush on that and draw them out, and then they came out and got them and ambushed them from behind and, and won that victory there. And then they go from there, and they end up making a deal with some country, uh, neighboring people that lied about who they were, but because they didn't inquire of the Lord, they got sucked into the lie, and now they got into this, this commitment with this other group of people. It's been tough. I mean, we have seen incredible victories and we've seen life-changing losses happen in the first nine chapters of all this. And now they're fully in the land. They don't own all of it yet. They haven't taken all of it. That's still to come as they a few more little irritating people they need to get rid of before they take all the towns. But they've had the big victories here. And so in chapter, chapter 9, we finished that with Mark last week. And now we move into, we're going to jump ahead just a little bit to chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, jump, turn to Joshua chapter 14. Page 203. And, uh, and so you can turn there and we're going to kind of jump in and pick up the story. What's happening is they're beginning to divide up the land. So now they've kind of gone in and they've conquered the big sections kind of in the middle. And that's kind of how they've done is go in the middle and start spreading themselves out as they go. So now they're going to start assigning the 12 tribes. This is where you're going to be. This is the land that you get. And that's what's going on. And so and you'll hear more about that even next week with Mark. But um, but this is what we're going to pick it up in, in chapter 14, because there's a, a guy in here that we have not talked about this entire series. And Joshua has been the focus of this. And it's the book of Joshua. It's his book. And, and so we're going to look at a little bit different angle and perspective about this guy named Caleb. Caleb was, was one of the 12 spies that was sent out. And, and yet he doesn't have his own book of the Bible. He doesn't have the notoriety that's there. But his story is so important in what's happening in taking the land. And so we're going we're gonna to jump into his story. It starts back in, in Numbers, but we're going we're gonna to hit it here in Joshua chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 6. So if you want to go along with this, that'll be great. Um, it says this. Now, the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. So, again, picture what's going on. The thing about this book that I want you to grab is this. This is not a history book. This is not just a, just a regular old book that you check off, you've read a few parts. Jump inside these stories. Let this thing come alive to you. This is a living, breathing Word of God. It's active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's meant to be a weapon. It's meant to be handled correctly. It's meant to be passionately read. It's meant to be jumped in and a part of. Go dig into this stuff. Uh, the more I dig in, the more excited I am about digging in. And it's a neat thing to see that. Even something simple as when it says, the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal. There's so many cool things that happened at Gilgal. Go look that up. We don't have time to dig into all that stuff. But it's such cool things. And so when you get into God's Word, man, let it just come alive to you. Don't let it be something there. And so in this story, here's Joshua and Caleb. And so Caleb, who's part of the tribe of Judah, which is a pretty studly tribe, and so there he's coming over to Joshua, who's the commander of the nation. And so he walks over to him, and I see him because they're old buddies. They're old spy buddies together. And he puts his arm around him and says, Bro, we need to talk for a minute. 
As he comes up to him in this moment. And we get a glimpse into this intimate conversation that they're going to have right here at the beginning of this chapter uh, that goes in there. He says, he watched, you remember uh, what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. Remember that? Remember what's going on? If not, let me remind you. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I'm a man. I'm 40. That's what he's saying to him. I was 40, and you were 40. We were buddies. And he sent us in to do this. And I brought, back him, I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now, there's some great stuff in that thing right there. He's, he's bringing back the event. He says, hey, let me, let me talk to you for a second. I know it's been a while. We'll find out here in the next verse it's been 45 years. But it's been a while. Let's go back. Do you remember that time that we were spies? Remember when Moses said, hey, pick the best guy of every tribe and we won our tribes? I, I, they won CG games back then and they made it to the finals. And so that's what they were doing. And so they're in there and now they're the 12 that have been picked. And we're two buddies that went. And remember, we went and spied out the land. We were scouting it all out because God told us to do that, right? And so that's how we're going to come back. He says, remember the report that came back, though? Do you remember that you and me, remember I was with you and we said, we can take it. That's a beautiful place. It's, got, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's got great land. It's got great water. It's got great trees. It's got great food. It's got great stuff. This will be awesome for us. But the other ten, what did the other ten guys do? They gave a report that caused people's hearts to melt with fear. Like, they scared the mess out of them. Do you remember that? Because we gave a report out of our convictions. They gave a report out of their limits. And so often we do that in our own lives. We give reports out of what we think we can do or cannot do. Instead of what we know God has already done. See, we, we gotta get, I gotta get past that. I've gotta move on beyond that. And he reminded him of that. He said, listen, we were the best of the best, and we brought back this report. But those ten guys, look what they did. They brought back a terrible report. They scared everybody. Oh, we look like grasshoppers. These are some big guys. Oh, these walls are so tall. There's nothing we can do about it. We're going to end up losing. Uh, And it scared people so bad that an entire generation didn't get to go to the promised land. Those ten guys' report cost a generation the chance to go to the promised land. Uh, Joshua and Caleb were the only two that got to go. Like, and he was reminding him of that. He says, do you remember this? And, and he says, but Caleb, he said, I followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. And that's an important word. We're going to come back to it in just a second. So then he picks up it up in verse 9. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. He remembered the specific promise that God gave him. This is 45 years later. This is not just a week later. It's not something he put a timer on his phone as a reminder. This is 45 years later, and he's quoting word for word the promise that God made him through Moses. He remembered this absolute promise there. Why would he get this promise? Why was he so sure that this promise was due? Why was he so confident it's going to happen? Because he followed the Lord his God wholeheartedly. There's that word again. So then he tells him all this stuff. And go kind of walk down memory lane. Then we go to verse 10. Takes it current day. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. 45 years later, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. 
So here I am today. Look what he says. So here I am today, 85 years old. There's an exclamation point right there. 85 years old. I'm not some spring chicken here, fella. Like, this is what he said. He's getting all riled up about this. He's getting fired up as an old man, sticking his cane in his face. I don't know what he's doing, but he is fired up saying, I'm 85 years old. I'm not some old man you should be messing with. I will whoop you. Like, this is what he's saying. The confidence that he's speaking in here is this. I am 85 years old. And he says this. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Like, I am still a man. You better not mess with me. Like just, he is just getting confident and bold in this thing. Like, you crazy old man. He says this. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. So he's bringing it back to this present time. He goes, Listen, I told you the story about 45 years ago. Remember? We were spies. We were young. We did all this stuff. We brought back the great report. Now, let me remind you of that promise. Now, let me, let me bring it current here. And, and, and I know that uh, you think maybe you can change things because it's been so long. I'm an old man. You're not gonna, no, no, no. You're not going to get away with that. I can still whoop these little guys. Like, I still got it. And I, you're not going to take it away from me. The land my feet walked is where the Anakites are. Now, they're the giants. The, the Anakin were the giants. They were the big people of the land. Um, and and he's, they're still there. They haven't been completely wiped out yet in that area that he's been given. And he says, listen, I know there are giants and they're big. But the same God that said we would beat them 45 years ago is the same God today. Let's go. The promise hasn't changed. The promise is still good. I know it's been a while, but the promise is still good. So he calls him out on that. And he says, let's go do this. And then we end verses 13 and 14. And here's how Joshua responds. Then Joshua blessed Caleb right out of the box. He didn't argue with him. He didn't push back. He didn't go, well, I don't know. We need to talk about this. You know, things have changed since then. Yeah, I know they've changed. But I hadn't. I'm just older and better. That's all I am. I may not have been as... Well, no, not except. So he goes on to, to say, So Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belonged to, uh, has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Joshua didn't push back. Caleb made his case. Let me tell you the story again. This is where we were. This is what we did. Now, 45 years later, here's where we are. I still want what was promised to me. He said, where my feet walked, that's where it is. And we'll unpack that a little bit more in a second because I think that's pretty interesting. Because there was so much land, literally hundreds of thousands of miles and acres of land. The 12 spies probably spread out, maybe in pairs, but they didn't stick together as, as a group and spied out the land. And so where his feet literally walked, I think that's an interesting thing to hang on to that's there. But why did he give it to him? Because it says at the end, he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Now, which word did you hear over and over again right there? Say it to me. Yeah, you're with me. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. As the nigger went to say, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. And so do we have to figure that out. What does it look like for a man to be wholehearted? What does it look like for us to be wholehearted? Because I think we have a wrong definition of that in our culture today. I think we've taken this idea of wholeheartedly see means I love you enough to put you on my social media. Like, here's the appearance of what we have. I can check the box that I've been to church. I went Sunday and Wednesday. I'm super spiritual, right? I've read some, but I go to Canacuck. That makes me a superhero. Like all of these things, we put out there this image of what we are. And I think that's half-hearted. Wholehearted is when no one else is looking. 
See, everybody wants to drive in the first nail. Everybody wants to drive in the last nail. But what about the stuff in between? See, that's the wholeheartedness that comes in here. So I want to challenge us on what someone that looks wholehearted really looks like. Because we can learn that from Caleb. If Caleb was a man who was wholeheartedly following Jesus, how can we do that now? Number one is this. He believed God wholeheartedly. He believed God wholeheartedly. Well, yeah, Alan, of course that makes sense. Why would it not be? Well, it wasn't just a good idea or a neat plan. It wasn't just, hey, let's go try that. That's the new thing we're going to do. It was something that he invested his life in 100%. He did not hold back. He was convinced that God is who he says he is, would do what he said he's going to do, and nothing would change his mind. He was immovable in his belief. It wasn't just a passing thought because it felt good. Oh, it got me out of Egypt. Yeah, I'll believe in that God. But now it's 45 years later. You're still believing in that. You're not in the land yet. You're still believing that. What is it about God that you are not believing 100%? That I'm not believing 100%? What fear or limit am I putting on God that might keep a generation or keep my own kids from experiencing God's greatest blessings? I don't want to be one of those 10 that give a report of going, let's just be good enough. Let's get on a dead sprint for mediocrity. Let's just be better than someone else we can compare ourselves to. The standard is not each other. The standard is Jesus. That's the standard. And when you take your eyes off the cross, you get full of yourself. It's time to get back looking at the cross and knowing that's the standard. And we trust everything that says out of the cross and out of the word so that our kids and the next generation don't have to miss out on that. I don't want my lack of belief to cost my kids, to cost your kids. You've trusted me as your youth pastor with your students. I don't want them to miss out because of my lack of belief. Number two is this. First, he believed God wholeheartedly. Second, he obeyed God wholeheartedly. See, belief is one thing. That's all up here in the head. You prove it through your actions. Faith without works is dead, right? Works without faith is just being a good person. It gets you nowhere. They go together. They're just as important as each other because one without the other is empty. And so it says here that we need to, he needs to obey God. He obeyed God wholeheartedly. When God said go, he went. When God said wait, he waited. When God said, you're not going to be the prime guy, he was okay with that. I, I don't know that I would have been. I don't know that I would have been okay with that. He didn't get top billing. I mean, think about this. He came from the tribe of Judah. That's the lion, right? That's the good stuff. Joshua came from Ephraim. Why did he get picked? They both were the spies that went out. They're both the spies that came back. They brought the same report. Yet he hung out with Moses and he got the next billing. Because God didn't need him in that spot. He needed him in a different spot. He had to trust that and not get jealous of that, that he wasn't picked to be the commander. I mean, that, that's what he would want to, to do on that. I'll tell you this is, is Caleb understood that Take the Land was not a sermon series, but a life mission. And if we sit here today and remember the sermon series, Take the Land, then we've wasted 12 weeks of your life. It's still a life mission today. To take the land. Does it look the same? No, it doesn't. But we were not made to be defeated. We were made as more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. That's what we're made for. And so our obedience is going to play that out. Are we willing to step out? We believe God. If we believe Him, then we will take the action that He's telling us to take. Or we will wait when He says wait. We'll do whatever it takes to have that. Number three is this. So He believed God wholeheartedly. He obeyed God wholeheartedly. Number three, He trusted God wholeheartedly. 
He trusted. If God is who he says he is and will do what he says he's going to do, then why would I ever be afraid to go take on the giants? He's already said, I'm giving you the land. Go take the land. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I will be with you wherever you go. We got this together. Why would we ever be afraid of this big giant that the enemy puts in front of us if we don't believe that God is who he says he is? And it was 45 years later. I mean, it's 45 years later. The first time, 45 years, he was a spy. Now, 45 years later, bam, here he is. He went from 40 to 85 years old. And then he says this. What he's saying there, he goes, I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I'm as still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. He is talking some smack. I am still strong. I am still vigorous. And you know what we do? Because we are so visual in what we do, we think sun's out, gun's out. That guy was just, right? I'm still as strong and vigorous. What if he wasn't talking about his physical strength at all? What if he was talking about his spiritual strength? What if he said this, my faith is just as strong today as it was then. The, the ability for God to fight for me is just as strong today as it was then. What if he was talking about the spiritual and we put everything on the physical? Physical is temporary. Spiritual is where the eternal is at. That's where the victory is won. And there he is asking that question. His faith was just as strong. And I think, what have I given up because it got too hard to keep trusting? Or what have I given up because God didn't answer fast enough, so he must have quit. He failed me. Maybe he failed me. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. There's times that we've had those. I've had those thoughts. I can't speak for you, but we're human. It was frustrating to me. I had to wait till I was 32 years old to get married, probably because I was immature. I'm not officially saying that, but uh, but it's there. But that... Am I really willing to trust God on that? Am I willing to, to do that? And it turns out I get the most beautiful thing God ever created in the entire world is my wife. It's awesome. And if you, what about the maturity thing? Alan? Like, I'll catch up to her someday. I don't know when. But, but what are we walking away from because we assume God failed his promise? What have you laid down that you need to pick back up because God promised it to you? But we weren't patient enough to wait for it. We didn't trust enough to wait for it. See, I don't know about you, that kicks me in the tail, man. <laughs> that gets me. So one, he believed God wholeheartedly. Two, he obeyed God wholeheartedly. Three, he trusted God wholeheartedly. And then here comes some good stuff right here. Number four is this. He received from God wholeheartedly. See, God doesn't give half gifts. He gives full gifts. But are we in position to receive them? That's the question that's there. And his promise came true if you read the next chapter, which I encourage you to do because Mark's going to jump a little ahead next week. But in chapter 15, Caleb actually it says... Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak, which are the Anakim, the, the giant people. So, yeah, had things changed? Yeah, he had changed. He went from 40 to 85. Had the land changed? Yeah, there was different people because the whole generation had been wiped out and not allowed to go into the promised land. And so now this big giant Anakim that they were scared of, he's probably gone, but his three sons are there now, so it's three times the giants. Yeah, things have changed right there. But it says he took out the three sons of Anak. Not one, not two, but three giants were taken out by the old man. By the old man. He went in himself. Then there was another city. He goes, all right, whoever takes out that city, I'll give you my daughter as, as your wife. Like, all right, let's go. And so he got that done. Like, things happened for them. Everything changed but one thing. God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We change. He does not. That's why he's worth trusting. That's why he's worth having. That's why he's worth investing in. That's why he's worth following. 
wholeheartedly. And that's what Caleb was doing in this. And so he received from God the land. Now, here's the great thing about it, because he said, not only are you going to enjoy this, but this is going to be for your kids and your grandkids. He had something to give to his kids. His faith. The land was just a representation of the faith that was being passed down. Don't miss that. Especially us as parents, don't miss that. If we got this great savings account we're going to give our kids someday, you're missing it. Your faith matters. What kind of faith are we passing down to our kids? Do they see us praying? Do they see us reading God's Word? Do they see us talking to them about it, having life lessons and teachable moments? Are we making the most of those opportunities? He had the chance to give this. He was able to pass along land, yes, but also his faith to his kids and his grandkids. And then here's the last thing. He finished strong. He finished strong. Like That seems like a simple thing to say. But as far as we can read and understand, he never doubted God. He stayed the course. I, I, in my studies, I couldn't find a time where he wavered. Moses wavered. Joshua wavered. We have plenty of people that wavered at times. Caleb, we can't find that he, he even wavered. Now, here's an interesting thing that I think about because I have a weird head. And, and I think about all this stuff. So as, as he gets back from spying out the land, they take 45 years and they're now going into the land during this time. Where was he during the Battle of Jericho? Like Joshua's leading the troops and you got the, you know, the worship leaders that are leading out there. You got the Ark of the Covenant. So where was he in that? Like where was he in the AI strategy? That's what I want to know. They sent 3,000 guys and 36 of them got killed. Was he part of that strategy? Like was he part of the 3,000 that went? Was he not? And when they came back to ambush AI, was he with Joshua that drew them out? Or was he leading the ambush that came to get them? Like I don't know. I'm, I'm weird in my thoughts. But he was there. He had a front row seat to watch what happens when you follow God and when you don't. He had a front row seat from the very beginning when he went to spy out the land. And God said, you're going to get this land. He's like, yes, bring it. I'll take it all. We'll wipe out those giants. To now watching them lose to AI. Watching them get sucked into a, a terrible contract with these other countries that are around them. Like he watched all of this happen. And he never complained. He stayed faithful. He was wholehearted the whole time. He finished strong through all of that that was happening right there. Like I wonder, was he having flashbacks to his spy days? 45 years later, and they're doing all these adventures and going like, man, I remember when I saw that. I remember when I saw that. But here's the cool thing about it. I know that he never forgot the promise. Through all the ups and downs, the trials, the turns, he never forgot God's promise. And he got to collect it in full. Now, the cool thing about it is this. As I said, he said, you're going to get the land that your feet walk. And I believe in my heart, I don't have documented evidence for this, but I believe by what we read here and can see there that Caleb was probably the guy that walked right there where Hebron was. He saw the giants firsthand. That's going to be my land. Because God said, you're going to get the land your feet walked. Well, they didn't walk every square mile of that land, but he walked that land. And he got that land because he finished strong. Because he didn't quit. Because he didn't give up. He had confidence that the same God that pulled them out of Egypt was going to put them somewhere else and not just leave them hanging. All right, I got you out. Now figure it out. That's not how God works. Everything is for a purpose. Nothing is wasted in the economy of God. Nothing. And yet he was able to do that and finish that. And I think it's interesting, this idea of finishing strong. In Acts 20, 24, Paul wrote about it in the New Testament when he said this. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Like Paul got it. He wanted to finish strong and remember that it's about faith. It's not about what I get. It's about what I've been given. 
See, there's a whole different thing about that. I, I got to do a wedding yesterday, one of our old youth and actually an old intern too. And I did their wedding yesterday and it was so cool because in the wedding, typical uh, traditional vows say, I take thee to be my wife, I take thee to be my husband. We switch that word to receive because I don't believe anything was taken yesterday. It was freely given and received. We don't take things from God. We receive them. Please understand that. It's, we're not in control. He is. And He has incredible things to give us for those that finish strong, for those that, that have the opportunity to do that. Now, interesting thing about Caleb, I just want to, I want to hit on you as I did this study, that his name, if you, if you break it down, people smarter than me helped me understand this, but you take his name, Caleb, and you take the first three letters, C-A-L, and that literally means all. Then you take the last three letters, L-E-B, not that L is repeated, but you do when you break it down. It's a long thing, trust me. But L-E-B means heart. So Caleb's literal name means all heart, wholehearted. That's amazing. And yet he lived out this life of wholeheartedness. Now, another scholar says that his name means dog. He was God's dog. What up, dog? Like, this is what God is talking to him. You're my dog. You think, that's kind of weird. Why would, he, why would dog be the, What's the most loyal creature on earth? The dog. What's the most faithful one? Maybe he was dog because he was the one. He didn't need him to be the face and the mouth of the army in the country. He needed a faithful servant that would stay true to everything, that would be wholehearted the whole time, that that dog would trust that his master always had his best interest in mind, and he's only going to give him good gifts. And so he will stay loyal and faithful to him. There's worse things to be known for than being loyal and faithful to God. And yet that's what Caleb was in that situation. I ask you guys a question at the beginning of, of this thing. And I said, are you willing to do the work, to plant the seeds, to grow the tree for shade you may never enjoy? Because can't cook, that's what you're doing this week. You're going to work your tail off in 100 degree heat for a bunch of knucklehead kids to plant seeds, to grow trees for shade you're not going to enjoy. But as a parent, I say thank you because I'm going to get to enjoy some of that shade. And our church is going to get to enjoy some of that shade because of what you've invested. Small group leaders that teach Sunday school, you're like, these kids never listen to me. They're just hard-headed. Yes, they are, but more sinking in than you realize. You're planting seeds to grow trees for shade that you may never enjoy, but you know what? Their future husband and wife will enjoy it because of the lessons that you put in there. I got to catch a little bit of shade yesterday. I just want to brag on it because at that wedding, so I had Meg who graduated my youth group and Dakota graduated out of youth group in Georgetown. His youth pastor was at the wedding. I was at the wedding. Two youth pastors who got to invest in these kids for all these years got to see them come together as virgins and get married. That's God in this culture. That's a victory in our culture. I got to see a little bit of shade yesterday from all the years. Now, that's parents' fault too, good parents. I got, I'm not taking all the credit, but God allowed that full circle moment to happen right there. Now, I don't know about Caleb. Here's the deal about him. This is the last time he's mentioned. He goes in and wipes out the giants, and we don't know from him anymore. He could have died the next day. We don't know when he died. Maybe he never enjoyed the land that he did 45 years of work for. Maybe he did the work to plant the seeds to grow the tree for land he never enjoyed, but his kids and grandkids enjoy it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I want to know from God. When did you take Caleb out? All you promised that he would go into the promised land. You didn't promise he would stay. God kept his promise, and generations got to enjoy the work that he did as an 85-year-old man. So let me ask this question. If you're 75 years old or older, will you stand up, please? Do we have anybody in here 75 or older? 
Got a couple of you guys, ladies. Let me just tell you this. Thank you. Thank you for finishing strong. Thank you for being warriors. Thank you for being who you are. It makes a difference in our church. We need you. We desperately need you. You have breath. God has a plan. And I want to say thank you for who you are. You are awesome and amazing. And so thank you for that. Jack, would you come here? Yeah, you can clap for them. Absolutely. This is my friend Jack Hendrickson. And uh, I love Jack. I call him Mr. President. He looks presidential to me. And, um, and so he was in a play where he played President Roosevelt. Anyway, um, he's awesome. And, uh, and he's, he's not quite 85, but um, he's older than me. And, uh, but he has better hair. Golly. You look good. And uh, I'm just going to ask Jack before we go into our invitation time. And uh, Van, you guys can come on up because we're going to go into that. But, but I want him, um, as someone who's 82, I can say it, um, and, uh, and loves Jesus and loves his family and is still fighting giants today. He hasn't stopped fighting giants because he got to be 82 years old. You don't hand that off to someone else. If you have breath, you keep fighting for Jesus, for your family, for the next generations. And this man is doing that. And I just want him to take just a moment and just pray over us and hear his heart for a second, and then we'll go into our invitation time. Shall we pray, please? Lord, you're the greatest of, you have created the greatest of all things, this tiny speck on, in this universe called Earth. And upon this Earth, you put your greatest creation, man and woman, to serve you. You loved us so much, you sent your son to die for our sins on the cross. No one, no one can imagine your love for us. Now keep us in the hollow of your hand and keep us safe from those who want to harm us. We ask these things in your, through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'll stand... This is an opportunity to respond. And I don't know what it is that you need to do to be wholehearted. The challenge has been laid out, and so you get to decide. This altar is open. If you want to come and pray and do some business with God, that's fantastic. We have Lord's Supper over here if you need just an intimate moment there. We'll have prayer teams available if you want someone to just pray over you. But understand, this is our chance to respond to God, not, not anything else. The challenge has been laid out by a man named Caleb who finished strong. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to rise up? Are we willing to do the work, to plant the seeds, to grow the tree for shade? We'll never enjoy, but it affects eternity. That's my prayer for you, so let's respond.